This is Darren Pulsford, Chief Solution Architect, author, and most importantly, your host. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, Generative AI in Higher Education with returning guest, Laura Newey. Laura, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Darren. All right. We talked to you. It's been four months since we talked to you right before your first semester teaching since Gen AI has really come out. You've been teaching for a long time, uh, but generative AI, chat GPT has thrown kind of a kink in a lot of things, which we talked about um, at uh, last time we talked. Um, did it go? So, I mean, how'd it go? Um, there were some surprises, some really big surprises, and I'll stand by. I don't know if I said it on the podcast or not, but I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> there, were, there were some real surprises that I'm still contemplating um, what what to do with it. So, yeah. Yeah, but it went, um, it went well. I, I think it went well. I think that uh, what I had planned to do was not say don't use AI or, you know, AI is the big bad boogeyman. Instead, we used it as a tool throughout the semester to help make their writing better. And, you know, one of the one of the takeaways just from my classes and the other things is I really think, because um, I teach critical thinking, that's my main concern, right? And I think using AI generative tools appropriately to enhance and clarify your ideas um, through language is now one of the most important critical thinking skills that we need to teach. Wait, that right there is a major paradigm shift from it is from other professors. Even even I interviewed my daughter on the last episode, and I know you listened to that already. Mm -hmm. um, even her professors aren't teaching it. But I'm glad you brought this up because I if we don't teach um, kids and adults, how to critically analyze the results coming out of Gen AI, we will start to blindly test or trust, blindly trust what's being generated. And that's dangerous. Right. And I would even say to critically think about what they're asking AI to do. It starts there. Oh, so it's not just the results, but what do we ask it to do in the first place? And that's actually where I got some of my biggest, um, my biggest surprises in the semester. So... All right, but before we get into the surprises and things, let's talk a little bit about what was it like um, when you taught critical thinking before um, without Gen AI? What was what was your position? I, what was your your main paradigm? Your main focus, I guess, is the is is the right word I'm looking for. Well, especially because I I tend to teach uh, most of my classes are the very beginning classes. So we do focus on process, you know, how do we, how do we okay. get there? What are the things leading up to it? Some fundamental writing skills, but the main part of the grade came from the outcome or the final product, because that's where you could showcase what you had done. This semester, my focus has been, um, and the grading was more heavily on process than the outcome, because that's where we need to be concerned <laughs> which is a, which is really interesting that you because how else do you grade you, you, i mean it's an english class right ultimately 
Right, gone are the days. I mean, I think I think it would be doing the students a huge disservice to say your grade is primarily, um, you know, these three essays, the finished essays. I, I'm not doing that at all anymore. I'm not doing that at all. I shouldn't say at all. I mean, it's a huge part of their grade, but the process leading up to it is I know basically what they're going to turn in before the final product comes in because I have to check it at every step and we have to integrate AI and we have to talk about how to do, you know, good research and all that stuff, really research heavy, because what can you believe? What can't you believe? What are good sources? Um, how do you verify your information? So for me, you know, it's always been about the teaching the process, but as far as the grading goes, um, I'm not doing it on final outcome anymore as much. That, are, are you alone in that, uh, Laura, in, uh, at the school? That well, you this is one of the surprising and discouraging things is, I thought every teacher would have to embrace this somehow, and I'm not criticizing anybody else because this is a this is a new thing. But I was surprised how many instructors um, just said, "Don't use don't use AI." How many instructors are relying on if they even know about them on the AI detection tools? We can talk about uh -huh. that later. But that makes me nervous. If anybody's handing out a zero just because a detector says. Um, it was AI generated. That's a disservice to the students. Um, and we have some, there was a handful of instructors that instructors that I know about that kind of even refused to um, engage in the conversation. One even said it was against their principles. And I don't even know what that means, but I am, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what that means. And I didn't get into it, but it's, there's a, resi there's a resistance. And I think because we don't necessarily know what to do with this, or we just say, oh, it's just like, it's just like cheating, you know, it's like any other kind of plagiarism and it's not. So. Yeah. This is interesting because it reminds me a lot of um, the internet uh, when it first became widely available for kids in school and teachers were coming out and saying, you cannot, you cannot use the internet to do your searching. Right. You cannot do your research on the internet. I'm like, can you imagine not doing research on the internet mm -hmm. today? No, no. So I, I think, Laura, I think you're at the forefront. I think you're one of one of the instructors out there. And I thought there would be more. I've talked to my kids that are in college or Madeline and uh, some of her friends. And I've been shocked at how many instructors are ignoring it. And here's the problem. One of the main one of the main problems that I came out with after the semester that I hadn't even considered when I talked to you before, before I started teaching this semester is we're going to fail the students when there's a huge amount of inconsistency between classes. I'm teaching yeah. use AI as a tool. It's perfectly fine. Here's how you use it. They're going to get to a different class and they're going to say, you use AI, you fail. And that's, that's hard because I always shudder, even when teaching before AI, I wouldn't like it when a student would say, I hope I got this essay right. I hope I wrote it how you want it to be. And I always correct them. And I say, how I want it to be is commonly accepted good writing practices. So you'll find the things I, you know, I try and like, this is across the board good writing. It's just not my own personal thing. Um, and so, yeah, it, it makes me nervous that we're going to be really all over the place with can you use AI and didn't you? And or shouldn't you? And what I told my students 
And this was extremely discouraging to me because I thought I'd kind of figured out how to integrate AI, how to use it stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I told my students on the very last day of class? I said, when you use AI, no matter how you use it, take screenshots of everything you put in and everything that came out and save those. And if necessary, staple them to the back of your paper. Well, they turn it in online. You know, put it on the back of your paper to cover your butt. So basically my closing words for my students of the semester was, I taught you to use AI. I want you to use AI. It's a great tool, but take screenshots of what you did because not every instructor is going to feel this way. Yeah. And so I cover, think, cover your butt, show them, show them what yeah. you did. Yeah. I, and I think you're probably, I think it will be this way for a little bit. I think three or four years, but I don't it think will be, longer than but that. Also, the thing about AI is it's evolving so quickly, unless we're really committed to stay on top of what it's doing, our policies are going to become outdated as quickly as it evolves. I look at uh, where I work. We've changed our Gen AI policy in the last year. It has changed six times. I'm sure that doesn't surprise me. It's just crazy. And the first one was don't use it at all. And right. now it's, you can use it. And now um, it, it's, it's been all over the place. We can use it for some things, but not other things. And, and so it's, it's an interesting uh, dilemma. I think a lot of people are in. I am so glad though, that you are out there as a clarion voice saying, let's teach these kids how to use it. And one thing I learned from my daughter, which I thought was interesting and she made the argument with one of her professors. Um, and it was in a lecture series. She was in the ag um, lecture series. And and the the one guy said, I use Janai every day. A guy in industry came in and said, I use it every single day. And the professor says, oh, oh wait, oh, wait, wait. We got to be, we got to be careful about that. Um, and my daughter took that like, um, I'm getting a degree so I can get a job. Right. Right. Um, so right. she's she she came with some clever. I thought it was pretty clever ways of, of uh, using Gen AI to help her do better in school. Yeah. And so but I did. Like I said, I think I think a lot of the students really I introduced it to a lot of uh, the students and they were amazed by what it could do. And I think a lot of them used it um, helpfully and well and came out with better papers because of it. But we had a lot of cheating and we had a lot of um, AI generated stuff that was completely inappropriate. And I'd like to say, oh, it's really easy to recognize AI. I caught it, but I guess I caught the obvious things. But if somebody uses it really well, maybe I didn't catch it. Right. Right. But here's here's typically how it went. I would get an AI generated essay. And here's just an example. So these are this class was very, I would say, developmental for the most part. A lot of them were fresh out of um, high school. Some of, some of them, English wasn't their first language. And so one student, I'm going to look at my notes here, um, was writing an essay about college students, mental health and stress. And I said, hey, this, I just said, this essay is AI generated because I was positive. And they said, well, what made you think that? Let me read you the first line of the essay. In the heart of human existence, the symbiotic relationship between mental health and stress emerges as a profound and consequential reality. So I read that to the student and they were laughing halfway through it because <laughs> they didn't tell 
like that. And that, like, that is a dumb sentence. I hate that sentence. They knew I would hate it. It was just so we had, we had a good laugh over it. And then I gave them a zero on the assignment with, <laughs> with compassion and empathy and promised I would forget about it if they would never do it again. But that's mostly how I went. I would say, hey, this is AI generated and they would immediately cop to it. Now, the problem was those were the obvious cases. I gave one student, so we were going through a very important paper and I was so tired of the AI generated, AI generated essays that I was getting grumpy about it. So one student, it was AI generated. And I thought, okay, I'm just gonna run this through the checker. I know it is. And it came up like 98% certain that this is an AI generated essay. So I was really grumpy by this point. So I gave him a zero and I wrote in the notes, um, I said, this is AI generated, it's, it's cheating. You know, unfortunately you failed the assignment. And he wrote back and pushed back and said, this is my own work. And I'm like, hmm, okay, here we go. So we went back and forth a little bit. And I got a little bit snotty because he was pushing back and not copying to it. And I said, okay, if these are your words, then let's hop on a Zoom. And you can explain to me what you mean by, I'm going to read this, the endogenous opioid system or the engagement of the catacombs Colaminogenic system. <laughs> I can't even pronounce it. And I said, or you can send me your first draft or screenshots of what you put into ChatGPT. I thought that was going to end the conversation, right? And nobody knows what those words mean. He sent screenshots of what he put into ChatGPT. And here's where I ate my humble pie. He had written a full paragraph on this topic, not using those words, but he had written a complete paragraph. He referred to his sources. He had topic sentences. It was complete. It was not great. Um, you know, good. he put it into chat GPT and said, can you improve this paragraph? And then he copied and pasted what chat GPT did. So I realized he legitimately did not think he was cheating because we had just come off an assignment where I said, put in your worst paragraph of your essay into, into an AI generator and ask it how to improve it. And we talked about ways to make it really specific. Like, how can I um, eliminate wordiness in this paragraph? Or how can I better organize? Right. That was the key. But if students didn't really listen to how they were going to do it, the prompt and just said, how do I improve this paragraph? it might just generate a whole new paragraph, which is what it did for him. So I don't think his intent was cheating. He was actually trying to learn how to use the tool. Because I didn't put the qualifications on it. So I felt some responsibility for that. I mean, he should have known when he didn't understand even what the words were. And unfortunately, I have to say, you know what, this is a failing um failing paragraph anyway, because you didn't cite your sources and there's nothing in quotations. And so it just, you know, it, so whether, I, so I got off the hook, whether I had to call it cheating or plagiarism, um, I was able just to assign a grade because you didn't, you know, you didn't follow the instructions of some of the basic procedures. We always have to cite our sources. So, but that really made me think I'm never just going to jump on the bandwagon of you cheated, you plagiarized. It's going to take a lot of diving, a lot of reflection on how I'm um, teaching them to use it. And I don't know what the answer necessarily is because how am I going to think of every example? This one took me by surprise. Have you talked to other 
um, instructors, other professors yes. about your findings and are they using it or is everyone just kind of closed to it? No, no, I would say most, uh, most of the professors, at least in my department are using it and we have a really healthy conversation going on and we share a lot of ideas of how to use it and what our outcomes are. So there's a, there's a lot of ideas. A lot of the um, instructors I thought was really good. Um, they put in their essay prompts before they assign it to the students and see what chat GPT comes up with so that they can modify, they can modify their prompts and sort of get a feel for, for what chat GPT was good. Now, a good example of this is at the beginning of the quarter or the semester, I had the students write a, a narrative essay just to start off with a story using concrete detail and lots of description. And so they wrote that. And then I had them write a prompt for um, chat GPT to try and get as close to their own essay as they could. Then they did a compare contrast. Well, one thing that we learned is that chat GPT starts every narrative essay with concrete description. If that's your prompt, it starts every essay with a description of the sky or the weather. I got 56 essays. Every one was the sky or the weather, regardless of the topic. One thing we teach students when doing a personal story is there should never be a paragraph where it's what I learned was or the moral of the story was because you need to show it rather than tell it. Chat GPT does two short paragraphs at the very end, beating you over the head with the moral of the story. So I pointed out this wouldn't have been really a passing essay. I mean, it might it might have been with that fault, but it didn't it didn't use the best practices that I taught you in class. So it certainly has its failings. Um, and I was surprised how formulaic it was. That's, that's very fascinating. I, I didn't think it was that form formulaic either. Um, it interesting, uh, findings. And it sounds like there are a set of, um, instructors out there that are talking about that. It's not going on complete deaf ears then. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. I was just surprised there weren't, um, more and some who refused more. to engage at all, but I would say most are least in my department. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's wonderful because it's here and it's here to stay um, for sure. And so we can't just ignore it. And I'm glad that you're out there trying to teach um, how to use it. Well, yeah, because um, they need to use it in the world. I just heard an interview with um, a very uh, prestigious um, healthcare lawyer, and he said he uses it daily. And he said, he said that it's the very best editor that there is better than a human editor. But he said, of course, you have to look it over after it's done because 25% of it is not going to be correct. So you have to fix it. But he also said it's extremely useful to use for what you already know <clears throat> because you can catch the mistakes. It's not useful for something you don't know. And as far as like student papers and stuff, generally they're taking on topics that they don't know a whole lot about before they do their research. So he said it's it's useless because it it makes stuff up and you're unable to to check it. And so that made a lot of that made a lot of sense to me. The more you know it, the, the topic, the more research you've done, the better outcome you're going to get from AI. Well, there's, anyway. there's actually a great news story on this specific thing. Michael uh, Michael Cohen got caught right. Mm. Um, trusting in chat GPT, it made stuff up. That's part of generative AI is the creative part of it, right? The, right. they call it hallucinations. I call it lying. <laughs> it's just making stuff up. 
And so we do have to check. And if you don't know your subject matter, um, you may sound smart, but you're not. Right. And I think there's also a danger even using it and not to come up with your subject matter, but using it as an editor for grammar. Like I can think of examples and I even put in a couple of test things. So this is a stupid example. But if I said, just like, let's say you asked it to take out fragments, something super simple okay. you should do. It's fine to do with an online thing. But if you said something like um, X plus Y always equals Z, period, depending on the conditions, period, your next sentence is A plus B always equals C. Well, that depending on the conditions, does that clause go on the sentence before it or the sentence after it? Uh -huh. You completely change the meaning. Does AI know that? Or is it just going to, my guess was that it would just stick it on the preceding sentence because that's usually where we find dependent, those kind of dependent clauses. And so I put it in something like that. It was a different example. And sure enough, it stuck it on the previous sentence, even though it belonged on the, on the, the one uh, following. One following. Right? It in, completely in, changes the meaning. So Interesting. I've run into the same problem. I use Grammarly a lot. I've been doing it for six years. I, I wrote my PhD dissertation, Grammarly and I did it together. Um, <laughs> It knows my writing style now because I've used it for so many years, um, which I, I appreciate that it knows that. But I ha I do. I can't completely trust it. I have found that out. And um, one thing so that, the, that this lawyer said was he said that um, it does, unless you give it very specific prompts to sound like you, he says he's, he uses it. He says, use my same tone, use the same feel of my writing. Gives it very specifically to still sound like me, um, and then you get a better a better I, outcome. Otherwise, it's you know sterile and relies on cliches and different things like that. But I, that's a that's a great a great tip. Are there any other surprises that you saw in going through this class, both with the AI itself? and or the students or the results that you got out? Um, I think students, they're more apathetic to it than I thought. I thought they would be really excited about it. Um, and they, for the, speaking in huge generalizations here at first, yeah. I think a lot of them hadn't used it before and didn't really get it, kind of thought it was like a Grammarly or something. Once they used it to generate their own, narrative essay, which was the first thing we did. And then we did some other exercises. I could see it, it growing on them. Um, but I was shocked when they had options to use it or not, they didn't. And so. Wow. wow that's, a, that's interesting. I, I would think that they would use it. I mean. I got a lot more people that used it to blatantly cheat. That was really easy to catch than I thought. And it, it's kind of like, and a lot of other <laughs> teachers share this sentiment, especially when you're a new teacher. When someone cheats, you take it really personal when they copy and paste because you think, do you think I'm that stupid that I wouldn't realize this? <laughs> so you have to get to get over that. But I kind of had that renewed feeling again. It's like we've been talking about AI. This is so clearly not your voice. You know, how stupid do you think I am? But it's never about the instructor. It's about panicking at the last minute and thinking you can't do it. So I got a lot more of those than I thought that were really easy to catch. So that was a little bit um, discouraging and they were a little more apathetic about it. But I think the few students who really embraced it um, did find it really 
valuable. Like your daughter said in the podcast, she had lots of good ideas for how to use it that I'm going to share with my students about starting with a question for a thesis statement and having it generate ideas. I think that's great. Or putting the rubric in and asking yeah, the AI generator one, to, to grade your essays. Like, wow, that's going to make my job easier. So I think those are fantastic <laughs> ideas. So um, very, uh, very mixed results, would you say, from what you thought at the beginning of the semester? Or was it what you expected? No, they didn't embrace it as much as I expected. I would hope that they would use it more and use it in constructive ways. They didn't embrace it very much. It seemed like for the most part, they only did it when it was specifically assigned. And then a lot of them just thought, oh, new cheating tool. So that was sad. <laughs> so yeah, that is kind of sad. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe there were two or three that you change that you changed their opinion and maybe oh, no, they there were a handful. I'm just talking about yeah. for the most part, the one the ones who really got it um were excited and will well, I'm sure use it going forward. So and it wasn't um as we get further along, I'm sure the students who you know, we're just trying, this is their first year and they were all first year freshmen and probably really overwhelmed. So I'm hoping some of those exercises that we did will come back and resonate with them later and they'll, they'll use that. So I think it really was an important part of the teaching this semester. And I'm optimistic for them. I'm optimistic for them and the great difference it's going to make in the stuff they produce. I'm a little worried for me about thinking through all the scenarios and the specifics and being careful not to jump on somebody and say, Hey, you know, you plagiarize like I did that one guy when technically I guess it was cause he copied and pasted, but he didn't think he was. And I understand why he didn't think he was cheating. Yeah. Right. So I have to be really clear um, about that. So that that's interesting because you have to make adjustments too. Yeah. It's not just yeah. right. It's not just the students and, and, and things like that. Very interesting. Now you're not te you're not teaching uh, freshmen again this semester, right? You I am. Oh, you are. So you're teaching again. Yep. Uh, same course. You're going to use the yep. same approach. <laughs> same thing with the adjustments that I need to make. So <laughs> I, I'll be very interested to hear how those adjustments uh, went. Um, maybe we'll talk to you in April, April or May, right? May, I think is when you're May. Done. Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll talk to you again in May and find out how it's progressing. Uh, Lord, thank you for coming on the show and educating our next generation. Um, I think... Uh, I think this is so important. Um, I do so too. I do thank too. You so much. Yeah. Thank you, Darren. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and embrace the digital revolution.